Operation High Jump was a U.S. naval operation launched at the end of 1946, led by Rear Admiral Richard E. Byrd. It was the largest Antarctic expedition to date, involving 13 ships and over 4,700 men. The official mission was to establish an Antarctic research base, test military hardware, and map the region. At least, that was the officially stated purpose. Many believe this was just a cover for the real reason why such a big task force was assembled to take on this mission. This task force, also known as Task Force 68, was actually sent to find new weapon systems developed and tested by the recently defeated German army that was supposedly spotted in the area. These new weapons were flying wings and saucer-shaped aircraft. Apparently, when Admiral Byrd and his team got there, they found more than what they were prepared for. This story has everything. Post-World War II history, secret Nazi bases, UFOs, advanced technology, hollow Earth theories, and it explores the reason why Antarctica has been restricted only for scientific research for the last 60 years. We'll also take a look at how this ties to the current UAP-UFO hearings. This is The Dark History Project. Now, let's get started. Let's first talk about what the official purpose of the operation was before we get into the stories about what might be the real reason according to legend. Officially titled the United States Navy Antarctic Developments Program 1946-1947 or Task Force 68 and also known as Operation High Jump, this was a large-scale expedition to Antarctica undertaken by the U.S. Navy. Under the leadership of Rear Admiral Richard E. Byrd, a well-known polar explorer, the operation boasted 13 ships, 33 aircrafts, and over 4,700 men, marking it as the most extensive Antarctic expedition at the time per the U.S. Department of Defense. Now, Rear Admiral Byrd was a recipient of the Navy Cross, the second highest honor for valor given in the United States. He was an explorer and a great American aviator. He served in both world wars, and up to this day, he is one of the most highly decorated officers in United States Navy history. So in a few words, they didn't just send anyone, they picked the best of the best to lead this expedition. Officially, Operation High Jump had multiple objectives. First, it aimed to establish the Antarctic research base Little America 4, further expanding the United States' physical presence in the region. The operation also intended to train personnel and test military equipment under the harsh polar conditions, thereby preparing the U.S. military for potential cold-weather operations in the future. Additionally, through extensive aerial photography surveys, the operation sought to improve knowledge of the Antarctic's geography, with a particular focus on mapping the coastline and identifying potential airfield sites. They actually mapped out over half a million square miles. The impetus for the operation was multifaceted. With the end of World War II, the world's geopolitical landscape was rapidly changing and both poles became areas of increased strategic interest. Antarctica in particular presented an opportunity for demonstrating military might and extending spheres of influence in an otherwise neutral zone. Beyond these geopolitical considerations, Operation High Jump was driven by the pursuit of scientific knowledge. 
Antarctica, as one of the least explored regions on Earth, held the promise of significant scientific discoveries, especially in the fields of geology, meteorology, and oceanography. Despite the operation's official goals, conspiracy theories and rumors have emerged over the years suggesting clandestine purposes, ranging from the hunt for a supposed secret Nazi base to close encounters with UFOs. Now, how did those stories come to light? Well, supposedly, a secret diary of Admiral Byrd was released after his death, claiming what he truly found in Antarctica and who he met. Before we get into the different theories as to why the U.S. Navy actually journeyed to Antarctica, let's clear up a few things. It was definitely odd that they took so many men and heavy military equipment for such an exploration operation. Another thing that is odd about this operation is that it only lasted for three months. Why all the men and firepower? There are some who believe the U.S. Navy was going to face the Germans that moved to Antarctica before the war ended. But let's take a look at why the Germans were in Antarctica in the first place. The German government undertook an expedition to Antarctica from 1938 to 1939, primarily driven by economic and geopolitical considerations. This mission, known as the New Swabia or Neuschwabenland expedition, was a part of Nazi Germany's broader initiative to secure resources for the state's expansionist goals. Captain Alfred Ritsche, an experienced German polar aviator, led this expedition. Their principal objective was to establish a secure base for the German whaling industry. At the time, whaling was an important economic activity, providing key materials like whale oil, which was used extensively in the production of margarine and soap. Germany, aiming for economic self-sufficiency, sought to secure its own sources of these commodities to reduce dependency on imports. The expedition also had a scientific agenda. It aimed to gather meteorological data, map unknown parts of Antarctica, and explore possibilities for establishing a permanent base there. The team employed innovative methods for their time, including using seaplanes to drop markers along their flight path to claim territory. Now, many of the theories as to why they were really there manifested post-World War II. The information about why the Germans were in Antarctica can be found in a variety of books, from naval history to books about the whaling industry, which really show the necessity Germany had for acquiring natural resources. Now let's get into how this exploration story brings in secret Nazi bases, UFOs, hollow earth, and secret missions. Admiral Byrd was famous for his detailed diaries and notes. You can actually purchase some of his books, which have extremely detailed notes from his expeditions. But you have to be careful which ones you get. Some of the books claim that Admiral Byrd was the author, have other authors as well, or just say, from the secret diaries of Admiral Byrd. After his death in 1957, his son released a diary that was given to him by Admiral Byrd right before his passing. The diary contained the real reason for Operation High Jump and what they actually found. To provide some context, the first words of the diary are, I must write this diary in secrecy and obscurity. He participated in one mission on February 19, 1947. In this mission, he checks in several times, but at some point he loses communication with the camp. Once this happens, he was on his own for a few hours. 
Now, as he is flying, he notices a mountain range and sees forests and rivers. He then realizes the temperature keeps going up. As he keeps flying through this area, he notices prehistoric animals that haven't been seen by today's people. Specifically, he mentions a mammoth. As he keeps flying, he sees what he refers to as a city. Then, as he approaches, what looks like flying saucers surround him. But these saucer-type aircraft have swastikas printed on them. He is then instructed by radio that he'll be landed soon in what he claims to be a Germanic accent. They even tell him to relax and that he is in good hands. Once he is landed, men approach the aircraft, all tall with blonde hair. They ask Admiral Byrd and his radio man to come down and follow them. They step onto a strange floating platform and move toward a glowing city that he says is made out of crystals. At some point, his radio man stays behind and he is taken somewhere else. Bird describes riding this elevator and as he is taken into a peculiar looking meeting room, he sees inscriptions on the walls that he cannot read. He is taken to an audience with the master. He is greeted by this man who calls him Admiral, as if he already knew everything about him. He's told he was allowed to enter their city because he is a well-respected and well-known person in the surface world. He is told that the master and his people know about the use of the atomic bombs in Japan and that the power humanity had discovered is not for man. Talking, of course, about atomic energy. The master continues saying they have tried to deliver messages to leaders in the surface world, but they have not listened. He goes on that his people also use science, but are thousands of years ahead. He mentions that every time they try to meet with humans in their aircraft, they are immediately attacked by fighter planes. He mentions that we should be careful and hope we learn about the power these weapons have and hope that we do not end up in another dark age. He is not sure we will survive it. Bird is asked to carry this message to his race. Bird and his radio man are taken back to the aircraft where the same flying discs direct them to the way out, and finally, through the radio, they are told, we are leaving you here. Your controls are free. Auf Wiedersehen. In his diary, he says he reports everything to the Pentagon, where even the president is briefed on what happened after he was interrogated for almost seven hours, or six hours and 39 minutes to be exact. He is ordered to remain silent and never talk about it again. The last entry in his diary is from December 1956. Here, Byrd says that, in closing, the secrecy of this event is against his values. He complains about the military-industrial complex and finally says, Just as the long night of the Antarctic ends, the brilliant sunshine of truth shall come again. And signs his name. Well, that's a great story. For one thing, it is hard to believe and prove this is real. As I read the diary, I notice that last part when Bird says in this secret diary, Just as the long night of the Arctic ends, the brilliant sunshine of truth shall come again. The problem with this is the Arctic is in a polar region located at the northernmost part of Earth, north 
Operation High Jump was in Antarctica, which is the polar region around Earth's South Pole, opposite the Arctic region around the North Pole. Now, let's say this was just a simple mistake. Admiral Byrd was also a writer, and there are books of his diaries and exploration. His notes were very meticulous, and I'm sure he would have caught that error. On top of this, the so-called secret diary is almost written like a comic book. A lot of all caps and exclamation points. And I mean a lot. Now, the writings of Bird were very detailed, from the equipment he used to technical aspects of flying and exploring. The secret diary is more like a wannabe poetry or as if you're reading a fiction book from the 1940s. In this secret diary, there's no more mention about the German-looking people and Germanic accents. So what happened there? If this civilization was so advanced, they just adopted the Nazis that escaped Germany after the war ended? You can come up with your own conclusion, but to me, this is very hard to believe and prove. But this is why there are so many stories about Hollow Earth, Nazi bases, and UFOs in the region of Antarctica. I do recommend you read the diary, which you can find on Amazon, but also take a look at the available documents from the Navy, NIH, and other government agencies on Operation High Jump, which are available online for the public. I see videos online about how no scientific research was done during this mission, but there's actually quite a bit of data they collected, studies they did, and not to mention the fact that they mapped about half a million square miles in the short time they were there. Besides my conclusions, I'm almost 99.9% .9 sure that this so-called secret diary is a fake created after his death. But we do have to note that Admiral Byrd was gone for three hours without being able to communicate without their base, not to mention the fact that the Antarctic Treaty System was signed in 1959. The treaty is a landmark international agreement focused on preserving the Antarctic region as a peaceful and scientific realm. Signed by 12 countries, initially, it now boasts 54 parties. The treaty bans military activity, nuclear testing, and mineral resource exploitation, designating Antarctica as a scientific preserve. The message of the so-called master makes sense. Do not use nuclear weapons. But this story really sounds like the plot of a movie that was released a few years earlier called The Day the Earth Stood Still in 1951. Besides reading the reports and books available on this topic, I must also warn you about watching some of the online videos, including very famous cable TV shows about history and aliens. You probably know what I'm talking about. They put this super hype story about how Nazis were looking for extraterrestrials in Antarctica, but they forgot to mention the official documents from the American and British governments where they mentioned they knew what the Germans were doing there. The so-called ancient astronaut theorists, whatever that means, do forget to mention a lot of known facts in these shows. It's like they just get the pieces of the stories that can be used for clickbait and make up a story. And trust me, I wish these stories were true. Just imagine. With all of that said, I'm excited about the UAP slash UFO hearings going on right now. Sadly, no proof has yet been presented and we have to be diligent about what we read online. I've seen many videos and posts of things like 
the U.S. government now admits of having non-human biological entities from crashed spacecraft. I do believe the pilots that were in the hearing. They simply mentioned some experiences they had throughout their career. But the whistleblower that mentions the non-human biological entities is being taken out of context. David Grush, a former intelligence official, in June claimed the U.S. had possession of intact and partially intact alien vehicles. And he was also part of the UAP task force. When he is asked if the U.S. is in possession of these vehicles, he says, Absolutely, based on interviewing over 40 witnesses over four years. Not that he saw them. At least, that's what he has said in public. When asked about the possession of non-human biologics, he says that his assessment is based on the people with direct access to those programs. I'm not saying I don't believe him, and I hope more information or proof comes out soon. He's definitely a credible guy and has the background for this. And maybe he has proof or has seen it, but has not mentioned it in public yet. But it is different to say. A whistleblower says the U.S. government has had non-human biological entities from crashed spacecraft. Then, U.S. government now admits of having non-human biological entities from crashed spacecraft. He is part of the U.S. government, for sure. But it would be different if the Secretary of Defense, the CIA director, or the President says it and proves it. Some of the people from Congress in the UAP committee have claimed that leaders from the Pentagon have blocked access to information, even to them. So who are these people that are over Congress and control these technologies? These are the gatekeepers of information. One of the members of this committee, Representative Anna Polina Luna, said on record the Pentagon tried to cancel a field hearing and they were stonewalled and blocked from seeing photos and video of supposedly UAP activity. With all this, I hope we hear more about it soon. Maybe we'll even see some unseen evidence or documents from Operation High Jump. Thank you for being with us for this episode of the Dark History Project. Hopefully we inspired some of you to look deeper into these characters and stories. Please help us out by sharing, subscribing, or liking this episode. If the platform you are listening to allows for comments, please let us know what you think. Feel free to discuss this topic or what topics you would like for us to cover in the future. We hope you enjoyed it, and our next episode will come out soon where we'll talk about the Black Death. See you then.